The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone is one of the candidates, the Democratic candidate for governor of Arkansas. Chris Jones is here. He is running against former White House press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So you're going to want to pay attention to this race if you weren't already. Chris, thank you so much for being here this morning. How are you? I'm great. How you doing, Zelina? You know, Tuesdays are a good day because we play K-pop, which wakes me up. So, <laughs> so it's usually be- it. it's a little a little bit easier than most of the other days. Um, and I'm I'm really excited for this it. this conversation. Um, in part because of the matchup um, in Arkansas, which mm. I don't think a lot of people maybe are paying attention to unless they're in Arkansas. But I want to make sure that our national audience, including our listeners who are in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are aware that this matchup is happening. You are running against former White House press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, That's right. That is who you're running against. And one of the, the most fascinating things about this matchup, she's the daughter of a Baptist preacher, Mike mm-hmm. Huckabee. You are the son of two preachers. I'm also the, mm-hmm. t- the, the daughter of two preachers. So shout out to PKs. PKs. We love PKs. PKs. Um, I love it. <laughs> but, but, but one of the first questions I wrote down is, I just want to get your reaction. So you, you grew up in the church. She grew up mm-hmm. in the church. But her job in the Trump administration was to stand up and to mislead the American public and to tell yep. lies. What yep. is your reaction to the fact that someone who was raised by a Baptist preacher... You were raised by preachers also, mm-hmm. you know, was standing up and, and telling lies. Um, do you think that contradicts the things that you learned growing up as the child of a preacher? Oh, it completely contradicts it. Um, you know, and, and I, I love the way you frame that contrast uh, because, yeah, I, I spent plenty of time um, uh, in, in the church and really learning and listening scripture. Uh, and the, the thing that strikes me is you can you can talk about these values and or you can live them out. And one of the things that she has not been doing is living them out. And the, the, the idea of telling the truth. Uh, and, and it's often important for us to inspect fruit. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about being fruit inspectors. And that's basically looking at people's actions and making an assessment and determination based on those actions. And I'll tell you, you know, if she was in the court of law and, and there was a, a case against her as to whether or not uh, she was truly standing as a Christian, I would have to question whether she win that case. I, I, it's a it's an important question. I mean, I, I don't think yeah. that and I think part of um, why I wanted to ask it to start a conversation is because I can't think of another matchup like this in the country where you have mm. um, two people who are the children of preachers right of pastors that yeah. um you know 
as you said, have biblical scriptures that they are supposed to be living by. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you said, the evidence is in behavior. It's actually not in the words. That's like what I'm obsessed with this point (laughs) because I find that too often people are talking, but then I'm like, you're not nice. I don't think that you read the Bible. You just don't really seem happy and nice. And that's basic. Like that's the the first step. It's so basic. (laughs) Um, And Jolena, um, one thing I'll add too is that I'm an ordained minister myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that you know when you know, when I think about how I show up in the world, yeah, um, I I am representing uh, the faith, and my Bible tells me that the second most important commandment, and I say this everywhere I go, uh, from Jesus is to love thy neighbor as thyself. So in addition to the lies, the question is, are we showing love to each other? Uh, and when you know when when she does the things and embraces the things and supports the things that she does. Um, you know, it's not showing love one to another. Well, this is, I, I, you're my kind of preacher (laughs) because (laughs) I think that, um, my, I, you know, growing up in church, I, I grew, I mean, obviously I have a radio show. I'm a progressive person, feminist person. And so I, there were a lot of debates in my household growing up. I'm also the daughter of a scientist, so I'll get to your science background because that's the other fascinating thing about this, right? (laughs) Um, but but I think it's really, really important, um, the love thy neighbor thing. And that, I mean, not only did Sarah Huckabee Sanders stand up as the White House spokesperson and, and mislead the American public as to the truth, but she also defended policies that definitely are not centered in love, like separating children from their parents mm-hmm. at the border. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not something that directly impacts um, constituents, um, you know, in any systemic way in Arkansas. But can you talk about, the fact that she defended inhum- inhumanity and how yeah. that is not uh, a demonstration of the biblical principles you just talked about in terms of loving your neighbor. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think about that often, Zerlina. I'm glad you brought it up and framed it that way because, you know, I, I think about uh, the parable that's told of, you know, the, 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 the people who were, uh, were, were talking to the landowner. And, uh, and when Jesus talks about the parable, what he says is that kind of two kinds of folks. They're, they're the folks who, when you look back, they, they ask, you know, Lord, Lord, when did I see you? And one set, Jesus responds, well, when you served the poor, when you helped the homeless, when you, dealt, when you treated children rightly, that's when, you, that's when I, you saw me and I saw you. And the other person is uh, the one who says, hey, I'm for you. I'm a Christian. I'm this and that. But then the question is, you know, what did you do unto the least of these? What, what did you do to the children when they were at the border? And that, that is literally in the Bible yeah. when it talks about how we treat the children. Um, and if we don't treat them right, then you don't know Christ. And so that's not Chris. That's the Bible. Um, and that, that's what I think about. And, I, and I'll tell you, though, Zerlina, um, as I'm out across the state and I've, I've hit all 75 counties in the state, I'm talking to folks that are progressive, that are conservative, that are Trump voters. Um, what strikes a chord is this issue of how you live out love. Mm. And, uh, and, and it, it's striking a big chord that's resonating with folks and, and people see the contrast. 
I think there's a really, I mean, there's a big contrast in this particular moment because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And I say in the middle because mm -hmm. I don't believe that we're out of the pandemic. As as I mentioned, my dad is a scientist. Mm -hmm. You have a background in science, which is very fascinating <laughs> given the fact that you're an ordained minister and the son of preachers. I mean, so talk a bit about <laughs> how that works, because, you know, it's, it is surprising sometimes to find a preacher who believes in evolution. Um, but yeah. I live yeah. with I live with one. So I know they exist. Mm. Um, talk yeah. a bit about yeah. how how both things work together and how. You know, both your biblical, the biblical principles and the scientific ones, they work together and inform policymaking and can help you do a better job if you if you were to win and become the governor. Yeah. So, look, um, people try to separate them and try to put them in tension with each other. Uh, but the, but the reality is that there there are questions that can only be answered by our faith. And there are questions that can only be answered by our science. Uh, and what blows me away is in both my faith and my science, there's a principle that applies to both. Mm. And that is, there is far more stuff that we do not know mm -hmm. than there is that we know, right? We only know 1% of the known world. That's what my science tells me. Um, we have a finite knowledge. That's what my Bible tells me. Uh, so, so both of those are reminders that I can and should have questions that I seek answers to, study that showed out self-approved, uh, or, or being a researcher as a scientist. But I have to rest in the in the in the truth that there's a lot that I don't know. And so for me, when I when I apply it to policy, um, the science allows me to understand the what and and how how things are interconnected and how one lever pulls and moves another. My faith uh, helps me to understand the why and how I should be grounded in love and, and values and, and, and who I should help, which is everyone, all my neighbors. Uh, that, that's what my faith tells me and that's what my science tells me. It's so fascinating, but it's also um, the unique moment where we can we can talk about this because you are a unique candidate. And this race, <laughs> um, this race is this election season is scaring me a little bit only because mm. a lot of uh, experts on authoritarianism and fascism um, and we have Malcolm Nance expert on insurrection talking about this could be the yeah. last election, right? I mean, just in yeah. terms of yeah. some of the threats, ongoing threats to American democracy. I mean, how do you see your race factoring into that? Because secretaries of state races and governor's races mm -hmm. are all mm -hmm. the more important this year when it comes to protecting American democracy so that we can have more elections after this one. Yeah. Well, when you, when you look at the whole board, you see a few things, you know, one, you see a Supreme court that has, has, has pushed so much back to the States that they're literally trying to turn governors into Kings. Uh, and some Republicans wear that role well, um, they, cause they want to be that. Um, but the other dynamic that's at play is uh, when you, when you think about um, how policy rolls out and how, not policy, how elections happen, uh, one fascinating thing is that, you know, um, former president, you know, twice impeached Donald Trump, he, you know, they're nervous when he starts to talk about stolen elections and fraud. Well, he was in New Jersey talking about the Arkansas election. And he said two things that were fascinating. One, he said that, oh, the election might be stolen from Sarah, they're gonna to try to steal it from her by 
by millions of votes. Mind you, only a million people vote in Arkansas in elections. So I'm not sure where we're going to get millions from. We have three million people in our state. Um, but, so, but you, you know that he's talking like that when he's nervous, which is a good sign. Like they're nervous about the election. And that means it's closer than people realize. And he knows it. But the other thing is that, you know, when I think about what that means, because because he, he he alluded to and he talked about this idea that, well, do we really even need to have an election? Can't we just put her in place? And so when you start to put those notions and ideas out into the, the ethos, into the world, it, it plants seeds in people's minds and they start believing, well, yeah, actually, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. So maybe we don't need an election. Let's just install Sarah. Let's just install this person. Uh, and that, I tell you, is a, is a leap away from democracy. And it's, in fact, the reason our country was founded was because we were trying to run away from that very thing. It's the great irony. I mean, I I also was sort of saying that to myself when we were doing like 10 days on the queen. I was like, that's not our queen. Mm. Um, <laughs> I was like, that's not our queen. <laughs> like specifically, it's not. I mean, I no shade. It. I was like, she's a person. No Her family is no sad, but like, it's no not our kind of to all the shade. <laughs> I, when I, you know, I find that when I say no shade, I'm really act. Like, it doesn't mean anything when I say it. I really actually meant the shade. I always mean the shade, I think. Always. Um, always. So so one of the other topics I wanted to, to dive into this morning is abortion. Because Arkansas is I – don't, I don't hear a lot about it in terms of, you know, extreme bans, right? It's not maybe on the, yeah. the top five of, of the states in, in which, you know – Folks are passing, state legislatures are, are passing really, really extremist bans. But help us understand the lay of the land in, in Arkansas, where Sarah stands on that issue, like, because she's definitely pro-life. So, so it, it does that, is that the extremist position that the Republicans basically are standing in right now, which is like no exceptions um, or very limited exceptions for even the mm -hmm. health of the mother. Um, and how is that factoring into the race? I mean, are you hearing anything about abortion when you're talking, when you're going to all 75 counties in Arkansas, mm -hmm. are people talking about this? Yeah. <laughs> um, so a couple of things on that, Zelina, you know, first of all, it's extreme. It's very extreme here, and there and there there are folks that are are actively trying to snatch away um, religious freedom. They're trying to snatch away personal freedoms. They're trying to snatch away uh, our liberties and really bring about government control. Right? So she certainly supports no exceptions. We had a trigger law in place um, that that said no exception for rape and incest, and there's there's this nebulous. Uh, life of the mother in the case of emergency that nobody understands. Um, and, you know, the, the question that folks ask as I'm out across the state is, well, if someone's 19-year-old daughter is pregnant and they try to cross state lines, um, it, are there going to be police there to check? You know, is, 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 it, how, is it a brand new surveillance state? And given that Sarah wants to cut 55% of our budget you know, by eliminating income tax, who's going to pay for it? Uh, and, and surprisingly, because people don't people don't see Arkansas as a as a place that uh, that might be enlightened. You know, people don't pay attention to Arkansas. You, you think of it as a red state, but it's really a non-voting state. Uh, we had more people who could have voted but didn't 
uh, in the last cycle. And so what that means is as I'm traveling the state and talking with folks, they're talking about it. Mm. They're absolutely talking about it. And they're saying they're, they're beyond concern about Sarah's extremist position and what she would bring in, in conjunction with the current state legislature, where because there's a, there's a contingent in our current state legislature that are driving towards extremism. And Sarah would be right there with them in the driver's seat. Uh, and folks are concerned about that. And actually, Zolina, I, I, my sense, uh, you know, I, I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, I'm not a prophet. But my sense is that that's going to be one of the four drivers of turnout in this race. I think there are four different you know, major drivers of turnout in Arkansas. Um, and that's going to be one of them because I've talked to I've talked to to older to middle aged to older white men who come to me and say they are very concerned for their daughters. Mm. I've talked to uh, very concerned. I've talked to men and women who said, look, my wife's life was in danger. And when we were pregnant and we had to make a decision. And so now we're in a, in a state and an environment where they're snatching that decision from us. Uh, that's the decision that we prayed hard about. And they're putting it in the hands of Sarah and a couple of legislators. And folks are not happy about uh, their their freedoms and their and their liberties being snatched away. It's good to hear that. I I mean, I don't all, always love the like, what about my daughters? Um, but I do think that w- if fathers are recognizing that the Dobbs decision impacts them because this will have a direct impact on their daughters Mm -hmm. if they are making that Mm -hmm. connection that is good because that that um allows the coalition of folks who who can work to to try to at least you know hold the line on any of the other rights that haven't been taken away yet um that coalition can be larger um what are some of the other issues can can, can i add one more thing yeah yeah Yeah, so you know what's what's fascinating is you know what people don't often realize is that, um, you know, black folks in the South are conservative, Um, you know, particularly black religious folks in the South are are conservative. Um, And so there's a whole slew of of black folks that are, that are, while they are conservative, when they think about this notion of, well, what else will the government make a decision on for me? uh, They're getting fired up as well. And And I'm not just talking about um, I'm talk- when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about black preachers and pastors as well. And they're saying like, yeah, you know, hold up now. Uh, now you're going to decide when to pull the plug at the end of life. You know, now, now you're going to decide all, all other decisions for me. So I think you're seeing a coalition of, of, of very demographics that are stepping up in this moment and saying, all right, we've had enough of this extremism and we're pushing back on it. And uh, and this issue uh, really affects everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What are some of the other issues people are talking about? I mean, we hear a lot in the news about inflation and gas prices and just the cost of everyday essential items because of the supply chain issues. But mm. it, it seems to me that while, you know, I, I just can't imagine walking up to a voter and you're like, what is the most important issue? And they go inflation. I don't know that they say inflation, but maybe they are. Are, are people saying that to you? No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Now, look, let me be clear. They're not saying that. They feel it. People yeah. who feel inflation. They, they feel the, the pain at the pump. They feel the pain in the grocery store. 
um, but but people aren't dumb. They know that that it's 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 nuanced. There are a lot of factors and dynamics that go into play in inflation. You know, we like to pretend like people are dumb, but they're not. Um, and so while they feel it, what they when I ask them what matters most to you, what are what are things that keep you up at night? And I literally had a conversation yesterday with some folks about this. Um, what they talk about is our collapsing and failing education system. How how not only not only are in some places, including my hometown of Pine Bluff, uh, there are nine out of ten kids are not reading at grade level. That's what they talk about, and they talk about how our educational system uh, it doesn't doesn't meet the needs of kids, uh, even though teachers are trying really hard and they're working really hard. They talk about the fact that our teachers are the lowest paid teachers in the region. Meaning, mm-hmm. we our starting teachers, our teachers starting out make less than teachers in Mississippi, which blows people's minds. We have teachers that are on That did just blow my mind. I, did, I don't even right? have a response. Mississippi is always the, <laughs> the one on always. the bottom of the list. Like, thank God for Mississippi. And I, look, I love my folks in Mississippi. My, the, the, the president of my college, Morehouse College, Dr. Walter Massey, he's from yep. Mississippi. And yet we always say thank God for Mississippi. Well, in this case, <laughs> Mississippi is looking at us and laughing. And, and the thing about it is... Uh, what, what folks are concerned about, and this is one, I told you there were four things that are driving turnout. Uh, the second thing I think will drive turnout in this race is teacher pay. Because even though our teachers are, are struggling and on food stamps and barely making it, and we have a $1.6 billion budget surplus. And the legislator could decided what we were gonna do with that budget surplus. And they did not have a conversation about teacher pay. And Sarah has not said anything about supporting teachers and, and, and paying them. In fact, instead, she's talking about how teachers are, are really focused. Um, teachers are indoctrinating kids. And that's very problematic. And so, so that's the second thing that's driving it. The, the other thing that, that people talk about, you know, and I'm kind of getting back to your question of inflation. The re- what I said was that people understand that it's, it's not a one one issue it's not a one factor issue Mm. people understand it's complex but what they do really get fired up about is this notion that it's corruption that's causing the inflation yeah no it's it's our it's it's the it's the corrupt system uh that is causing the inflation and people understand that um and the last the the other thing that they really talk about and it's funny i was in south arkansas and there was a guy i was at a restaurant in louisville um, and the restaurant was called Sterling's Place. And I'm in there, and I'm talking to folks. I, I was having a meeting there. And I walked by a guy. He had a plaid shirt. It was cut off. He had a hat on. If you looked at him, you, there are two things you would say. Number one, you say, there's no way this cat's voting for a Democrat. And number two, you would say, there's no way this cat's having a conversation with a Black man. <laughs> so, right. And so what I did was I tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, I'm Chris Jones. I'm running for governor. Because I believe you have to engage folks. Mm-hmm. And once you engage, you break the frame and engage them, they'll return that engagement. So we started talking, and Zelina, within two minutes, probably less than a minute, he said, I just want my asphalt fixed. I just want my asphalt fixed. I want my roads fixed. Right. I'm sick and tired of driving on these bumpy roads. I'm sick and tired of messing up my cars. And so we talked about infrastructure. We didn't use the term infrastructure, but we talked about infrastructure. And at the end, he said, you know what? I like you. You, I, you got my vote. What, why? Because people care about regular kitchen table 
issues that matter to them on a daily basis. And I think that that's the other factor. And the last factor I think that people really care about, whether they say it explicitly or not, and I've, I've had both, um, and this one will probably surprise you, but this is where my faith and my, my, my background as a preacher's kid and a minister come to play. Every county I've been to, whether people care about it, um, corruption or education or healthcare or voting rights, everyone either explicitly or implicitly is talking about this idea of how do we get back to community again? Mm. How, do, how do we move back to a, a place where we can truly love our neighbors as ourselves and work together? That's the thing that's driving folks, really, I believe, more than anything else. I mean, it's, it's laid out there, um, I think, in, in a really compelling fashion. How can people help you? In your oh, opinion. thank you for asking. Well, um, there, there are a few different ways. Of course, folks can go to chrisforgovernor.com, chrisforgovernor.com. Um, you know, donate, donate, donate. She has uh, far more money than we have now. Um, but we we have a plan. We have a process. We're going to drive people to the polls. Uh, and so we need the resources to make that happen. Um, the other thing is amplify our message. So, you know, you, you, you noted a few times that people don't know about what's going on in Arkansas. People aren't uh, automatically play, paying attention to this race because it's not Pennsylvania, it's not Florida, it's not Texas uh, and, and the like, it's not Georgia. Uh, and people need to pay attention to this race because it's a pivotal race and we're close. Our, the, the recent poll that came out, now mind you, it's a state that Trump won with 67% of the vote. Uh, and yet in the recent poll, she is underperforming Trump and we are overperforming Biden. Uh, and so we're within 10 points of her now. We, we can win it with the right resources and with the amplification of our message. And the last thing is, and I'm, I'm going to give you this inv invitation too, come on down to Arkansas and help us <laughs> out. Come down and knock on doors. Come down and talk to folks. Do your show from Arkansas. Uh, not only will you help us in doing that, but I'm telling you, you're going to have a blast and you're going to love it. Because the people of Arkansas are amazing. I may not be able to do that before this upcoming midterm election, but I do think I am going to Arkansas at some point this year. So I yeah. will be in touch um, because I, I, I think I am going to be in Little Rock at some point um, I love this it. year. I love so it. I, ironically, it's just completely random. Um, but I love it. Um, and, Chris, and if you are, if, if you're your listeners that are in Arkansas, because yes. um, this is the most important thing. Um, Nothing matters if we don't vote. Yep. Nothing matters if we don't show up uh, for the election. And people need to register by October 11th. Um, people need to vote. It starts October 24th. Election day is November 8th. So if you are in Arkansas uh, and you hear me, I'm asking for your vote. I'm asking you to get out to the polls. And I'm asking you to drag 22 people to the polls with you because we can win this race. And when you when I say drag people, drag your friends, drag your family, drag your enemy, uh, anybody. I don't care. Just drag them to the polls and get them to vote uh, because this election matters for the future of democracy. 
really, really does matter for the future of democracy. I mean, can't be under, um, overstated. Chris Jones, mm-hmm. candidate for governor in the great state of Arkansas. This has been a really great conversation. I'm so glad we were able to have you on this morning. Um, PKs, shout out to Preachers yeah, Kids PKs, of America. Is there like a is there a support group for Preachers Kids? Do we, we have one? We really is there a nationwide? One. We really need a group <laughs> chat. Um, <laughs> it's really funny. We, we're, we're special and uh, if we need help. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday. Keep up with the conversation on Twitter at Zerlina Maxwell and at Zerlina Mornings.